2: We are back with a very busy Buckeye talk. Get ready, strap in Ari Wasserman, Bill Landis, Doug Maurice. Ari was in Toledo today as we record this on Tuesday for Dallas Gantt's commitment to Ohio State. So we're going to hit you with recruiting, but lots of context in this recruiting. Ari's going to take you through Gant's commitment. He was there, what it means, how it came about. You can also read those stories on Cleveland.com as always, but then all three of us are going to get into this 2018 Ohio State class. Could it possibly end up better than last year's 2017 Ohio State class, which we wrote about all year as the best class in Ohio State history? Would it be cheap to do it again? The best earth, like what like
1: at the like in February, I'm like the best class in Ohio State history. <laughs>
2: and then you can like do one of those, like, well, like some may have said that last year's class is like, some <laughs> like, is you. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to... That end, was a fact, okay. I mean, up until It was then, a
1: mathematical fact.
2: And who knew that it, they were maybe just getting started? So we'll look at the 10-person class so far. We'll compare it to other Big Ten classes, how Michigan's doing, how Penn State's doing. We'll look at the targets remaining for this Ohio State class. We'll compare it in terms of the overall rating to last year's class, what type of players they're getting... How many Ohio kids they're getting in this class compared to last year? What positions they're targeting? All
1: this stuff, and then we'll talk about dancing at weddings. We've got a big wedding coming up Saturday. Doug and I are going to. Sorry, Bill. And Landis. Sorry, that's not my wedding.
2: Has interesting wedding dancing stories from this past weekend that involve not dancing, and that's your tease. Because everybody wants to think about Bill Landis dancing, and it makes me sad that he didn't.
1: I also why have, didn't he? he yeah, we're, we're going to get to it. I actually am pretty excited because he hasn't told us yet, so we're going to find like out when you do. are going to
0: be very underwhelmed by the uh, reasoning. I
1: also have very hot takes about wedding food. Okay, so again, oh, this yeah, is so going to be a one a of those where Ari has hot
2: takes about things that he has not experienced before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean? Because I, I haven't had a wedding, I can't have a take on wedding food. I, I'm just curious what the. Yeah. No, you yeah, can have a take, but I'm curious what the take is. What's the deal with why don't people? It's like, because it's, uh, yeah. No, I think you might actually, as much as you and I see the world through a completely <laughs> different lens, I think it's, and I think I've told you what I'm going to say in the past, just in conversation, Bill, yeah, but I think, I think you I might
2: think agree, agree with, you. with me. I think okay. I do agree with you. So, all right, we'll get to that. At my wedding,
1: uh,
2: many moons ago, we had a buffet which I know is a little bit unusual.
1: We're going We're going down the right path here. <laughs> right. Um,
2: well, I always say when people talk about regrets in life, one of my lingering regrets of my life so far is that I did not go back for a second chicken breast at the buffet at my own wedding. Wow. Because you get caught up in talking to people and talking to your aunts and your uncles and your cousins and people who traveled from far away. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. And then like the food was gone. And I was like... I
1: didn't get a second chicken breast, so it would. You are, of course, it would be chicken breast. Yeah,
2: but like it's playing, like, oh, like why, why do not I just go get chicken. a
1: beautiful grilled chicken breast? Like, yeah, that's the thing that you would regret.
2: <laughs> like a nice six-ounce plain
1: grilled yeah. chicken breast, maybe some made, lemon. Like, lemon on it. Like, you
2: are so <laughs> strange, man. All right, All right, take us through this commitment first of all. It's, it's the tenth commitment for Ohio State's 2018 class. It's a big get. And then we want to talk a little bit about what it means that this is an Ohio kid, that it's in Toledo, that's a battleground city, as we know. Um, But but we have talked a lot in the past about Ohio State getting some really good out-of-state guys, um, and we can talk about why we need to make sure that people know that the person complaining about them not having enough Ohio kids is me. It's me (laughs) who brings that up. So... Let's talk about getting Dallas-Gantt and putting in context how big of a deal this was.
1: Okay, so first of all, the idea that Toledo is a battleground city isn't new. It's been written about. It's been talked about. There was a war. A war over it, yeah. I didn't mention the war in the story that I wrote. but it's okay. But I, um, I think, and I made this point in the story. I really encourage you to go read the story I wrote from Toledo at McDonald's because I missed you guys. Um, Did you get a small drink? I did. Yes, free refills, Coke Zero. Nailed it. Um, that I think sometimes in Ohio State's current situation with their recruiting, they've done such a good job of getting exciting five-star national people from far away, and I think that the luster of those commitments at times is greater than when you get an in-state kid naturally just because I think there's a certain level of expectation that Ohio State's going to get that in-state kid. But with Dallas Gantt, Uh, of Toledo St. John's Jesuit, he's the number five outside linebacker in the country. Mm -hmm. And I think very similar ratings could have been applied to a guy like Baron Browning last year. Browning was a monumental get for Ohio State a year ago. And, of course, geography plays into account when you're talking about that sort of thing. But don't downplay the importance and the get that they got in Gantt because he is an elite-level prospect. And he had 25 offers from Florida to UCLA to the top five that included Notre Dame, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. So we always talk about the double whammy. They got the kid, and that also means that the teams that that spent time recruiting him didn't, and those teams are direct rivals in their own division of the Big Ten. I think it was a huge day.
2: Here's the thing, right? This is the kind of kid that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about them getting national guys and thinking is anything they're doing nationally possibly going to lead to them missing on guys like this because somebody else came in and got on him earlier while Ohio state was
1: on some kid in Florida or Georgia or Texas or somewhere else. And they miss a guy like this. So, But this might not be the perfect example of that because he's such a highly rated guy. Yeah. And the one thing I will say is that I guess the difference that, his father told me was that Ohio State was in early. Yeah. So they do deserve some credit for identifying an elite level talent in Ohio, attacking them early, especially because we've written about and talked about that it's almost harder, or it is harder, for an in-state prospect to get an offer. Right. As you were, like, wrote about like Jalen Gill and that kind of thing. It's right? just if you. It's assumed so much is assumed that it alters the process a bit, and they also they also think that if they they offer a four-star cornerback that they're not a 1,000% sure they want in California, they're not worried that he's going to commit immediately like a lot of kids in Ohio tend to do. Right. So they have to be extra careful because you can't take a kid that you're not sure of in Ohio, take their commitment and cut them because they can't do that in their own state. So they, it's a very delicate situation. But with Gant, I think he earned an offer. I think Bill and I were both at that camp last year when he did earn that offer. He oh, said yeah, here
0: last summer, right? on no. Tuesday mm-hmm. that that
1: was the best day of his life. So, And he ought to, just earned a Notre Dame offer the day before it. So um, they had him early, and they keyed on him. And I don't know, and I don't mean to disagree with you. I think we're saying the same thing, but I don't think he's the type of Ohio prospect that's ideal for your No, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I'm, again, I'm, we've talked about it in the past. We can get into it more. But I'm more concerned
2: about the Darren Lees and the Tyvis Pals right. and, the, and the good three-star kids who are going to – could be good, loyal Buckeyes who could be really good players for you but might not have the star rating. But I think it's fair for me if I'm going to express concern about in-state recruiting at all and have any fears about them having too much of a focus outside the state, I don't want to take any in-state commit for granted. That, and, and Bill and I just did another podcast uh, on Tuesday morning that you can find right now on, on cleveland.com um, or on our, our iTunes channel talking about Ohio State basketball, 40 minutes of Ohio State basketball talk, and we had a lot of recruiting talk in there. And again, this is not to compare Ohio State football and basketball, because there are a lot of things that aren't comparable. Um, But they've they've had trouble with some in-state kids, because they got in late, because they were looking elsewhere. So I want to give Ohio State credit, even for what seems like an easy recruitment, because They didn't get in late just because he was in state. They didn't take Gantt for granted. They did the work. It paid off. And even if it seems obvious and easy, I think every minute and ounce of energy you spend outside the state, and they spend a lot out there, and they should, makes it a fractionally more difficult in the state, right? I mean, just because... There's only so many hours in the day, so I don't want to just have it be that I think it's easy to get a kid in Ohio, right? Because as soon as you start – It seems routine, but it's not. And as soon as you start treating it as routine as the team, as the school, as the coaches, as the staff, as the program, the minute you take your backyard for granted, the minute you assume they'll always be there whether you put in the work or not is the minute you lose it. So, to Ohio State's credit, they saw a kid in the state, a kid who clearly wanted to be a Buckeye, but they got in early, they got the work in, they kept the work in through a coaching change on the on, on the assistants. Urban Meyer was involved, you know, they, they put their their highest level of energy into a guy that I think... And we can delve into Georgia recruiting now if we need to. It is (laughs) would be a podcast unless we say Georgia sucks. (laughs) It is easy to take – we can talk about Texas. We can talk about every – we can talk about Rutgers. We can talk about every team around the country that doesn't own its state. And so to Ohio State's credit, they completely handled this the right way when maybe it could have been viewed as obvious or taken for granted. I think
0: too – and maybe just to hammer that point home a little bit, it seems like they're taking that stance with the majority of Ohio's 2018 class, which I don't like. Are you would this time of year would still be considered early to have offered a bunch of Ohio kids, correct? Very early, I think, yeah. And they've offered basically everyone in the top 10. Well, usually what happens with the Ohio kids
1: is it's the summer, it's the camp circuit. They, right. they, they, they tell the kids that don't have offers yet, come camp with us, we want to see you up close. And then you start seeing the offers that would have been fringe offers before go out when those kids come and perform in real life. Because I do think that as much as you think, as Tyvis Powell once elegantly put it, Ohio State's on their star thing. He didn't say the word thing. They do <laughs> evaluate people in person, and those evaluations in the past, like it did for Gantt last summer, do pay off for those kids. Now, what's going to make your head explode, Doug, is that it's possible that an Ohio commitment is going to stop another Ohio kid from getting an offer? And I'm going to write about that this week with uh, Peters from Xavier Peters from Lakota West in Cincinnati. Um, he might very well end up in this class, but Ohio State just got a linebacker. They might get another national guy, and that might not have room for another really good Ohio kid who has like a USC offer and like is Alabama potentially offer. a really good player. So. You know, it's funny because can, can too many Ohio kids cut Ohio off? And it's just like there's just only too many spots. It doesn't matter where they come from. A spot's a spot. So who are these?
2: Why don't we run down while you're talking about it, Bill? Just run down the top ten kids in Ohio and where they're committed, if anywhere, and then whether Ohio State has offers in on them or not.
0: Sure. Number one is Jackson Carmen, who has not committed and already has written extensively about he's uh, the best offensive tackle in the country. He has an offer. Jalen Gills, number two, is committed. Blue Smith, uh, who you wrote a really interesting story about, like he doesn't want to be a tight end. Some teams want him to be a tight end. He thinks, he re- he thinks he's a receiver um, from Dayton. He also has an Ohio State offer. He's number three. Dallas is four, who just committed. Tyreek Smith is five, who has an offer and will eventually commit to Ohio State, I think we think. Um, I think we think. I think we think. Joe Skates from Dayton Dunbar is probably not a kid Ohio State is going to offer and or take, Correct. Correct. He's member- They've shown interest. In and
1: all these guys in the top 10, it's just not a position of need right now. Too. Receiver, right.
0: Yeah. Um, Chris Oates is a linebacker from Winton Woods who does have an offer. who And it might have been around this time last year. We no, it wasn't this time last year, but it was last year you and I went to Cincinnati. I can't remember what time of year it was. But there was a time where it was like, oh, Dallas Gantt and Chris Oates are two Ohio outside linebackers who are going to be in this class and give them two nice players. And I don't know if... It's like the weird because they have reported offer. they have reported offers, Right. but I think
1: that those sometimes are in flux because once spots are taken, right. it's very hard to tell Ohio State. I mean, Chris Oates was a big deal a few years ago, right? Last year when we went, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's room anymore.
0: Right. So he's number seven in the class. Trenton Gillison, tight end for Pickerington Central, is number eight in the class. He is committed to Michigan State and I don't believe has an Ohio State offer. Xavier Peters is number nine, who I already just talked about, linebacker from Lakota West. And at number 10 is Leonard Taylor, tight end from Springfield, who was once committed to Michigan. That guy. And has since decommitted. And, that guy, Doug. And Ohio State yeah. is is after him, right? Like they Yeah, went I mean, out. Ohio State, I think, is taking two tight ends this year
1: because they didn't take one last Did year. You no. Know? But they are in on two really good tight ends from out of the state, so it's the Doug theory. Who's the other one besides Jeremy Rucker? Um Mustafa. Oh. um I can't pronounce his name very well. Yes, um, I know who you're talking about. He, but I don't know if Ohio State's going to uh, be in a situation where they might. And I might go out to Pickerington. It's so close, and, and talk to Gillison because he was somebody they were pretty high on in the beginning. It felt like, but um, yeah. Okay, so
2: let's let's. We'll get into a, a, a talent comparison between the 17 class and the 18 class.
1: Real quick, before I just interrupt yeah. you, Ms, Mustafa Muhammad is who I was talking about. Where is he from? Um, he's from uh, Missouri City, Texas. He's a four-star um, top 100 player in the country, number four tight end in the country. So they, those are the two guys. And Jeremy Ruckert was the one that Bill was referring to. He's from New Jersey. And Ohio State actually saw Jeremy Ruckert. New York. New York. Um New Jersey and New York are the same thing, dude. You don't have to <laughs> don't say that you. there, man. <laughs> um, That's true. But the Big Ten thinks so. <laughs> Urban Meyer, I went to that uh, satellite camp that I thought was a complete waste of time for Ohio State to be a part of at Rutgers last year. And one of the players that Urban Meyer took time to speak with one-on-one at that camp was Jeremy Rucker. That camp was in New Jersey. He's from New York. Look at it the way you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so to reset...
2: As we talk about the Ohio-ness and potential Ohio-ness of this class, how many Ohio kids did they have in 2017? i pulling it up. I right. think they had six total,
0: and I'm just saying that, but... They had... I'm just going to list them. Josh Myers. One. One. Brendan White. Two. Marcus Williamson. Three. Amir Reap. Jalen Harris. Four or five. Jaron Cage. Six. Thayer Munford. Seven. Seven. And sometimes people mistakenly didn't count Williamson because he went to... IMG,
2: IMG G so for Western senior year. That
1: so wasn't my four. mistake. I just forgot Mumford exists because it happened so late.
2: No, no, I mean, but I, mean, yeah, I think yeah, that's the yeah. process. So that's 7 out of what, 24? What was yes, what yes. Said? 7 out of 24. Too low. Um, what's this class? 10 in.
1: 7,
0: so out, of, seven out of 21. So
1: um, far, according to this, in Ohio State's current class, they have 10 commitments and um two are from Ohio. Gant and who else? Gill,
2: Jalen Gill. Gill. Okay, um, too low. But but I get what you're saying. You guys understand this process better. I mean, the thing you're talking about that like, they can't just throw the Ohio offers out, but with some of these national guys, you want to get out early, and if you can lock them in, and and who knows if even all eight of these out of state kids are going to wind up in the class. So I understand that that ten guys in May is not really indicative of what your class is going to be like. Um, Will this class be more than one-third Ohio, as last year's class was? Should it be? Will it be? And <clears throat> do I just need to get... I'm not... No. What am I going to say? Do I just need to stop talking about it? I'm not going to. Um, Ohio State needs to take the best kids in Ohio. They're going to lose their soul to some degree. I'm not telling them not to take talented kids from around the country. Um, but isn't it, is not its it not... Viewed that the 2018 class in Ohio is overall more talented than the 2017. Class I think it's was. possible ten out of twenty five are this year. From so that Ohio. that is correct. The view that 2018 in Ohio is viewed as better. Oh yes, right? correct. Okay. Very
1: deep class this year. Yeah.
2: So they should they should capitalize on that, right? They should have a better than thirty three percent conversion rate. And listen, if you have a problem with me saying that, Urban Meyer agrees. When he was take. asked yeah. on signing day by us about, is this, was it by us? It was me, yeah. About, is this Ohio enough? Ohio enough? Ohio enough? Ohio enough? Ohio enough? Ohio enough? He's not having a stroke. It's fine. He said no. Why did you do he, that? It's a weird, it was a, a lot weird, of Ohio, Ohio enough. enough. <laughs> I saw this thing. It's like an old video from like 2009. One of those internet videos that goes around, mm-hmm. but it was people getting married and the husband was doing the vows and he's supposed to say lawfully wedded wife. And he said a waffly wedded wife oh. <laughs> and the bride laughed for like a minute straight. <laughs> so Ohio enough when I was getting caught in that, he agreed that it was not Ohio enough. So if I'm beating that drum last year, Urban Meyer agrees with it. So this should be more Ohio you're guessing, you're you're anticipating ten Ohio kids out of whatever this is gonna it's be, twenty two, twenty-three, 10, twenty-four? It, yeah. Is there anything that would prevent that from happening? Like what it why is that what is the scenario? And then I'll lean back in the chair and let you guys do the heavy lifting. What is the scenario in which this class again is not more than thirty-three percent Ohio? Whether it's them losing out on kids, whether it's them not taking kids because they get so many out-of-state kids. What is it? Listen,
1: the entire point of recruiting national is to do what? It is to find players who are better than the ones that are in Ohio. Right. You're looking at a list of seven targets that aren't committed right now to Ohio State that we named off who are arguably the best players at their position in the country. So there's no need for Ohio State to try to get the sexy five-star name from out of state because these guys are really that good. And if you look at a lot of these offers, like Tyreek Smith, for instance, that guy's got like forty-five offers from every. That is, if Tyreek Smith lived in Georgia, Georgia, people would go nuts for it. Yes. And th- he, if he lived in Georgia, he'd already be committed. To yeah,
0: state.
1: <laughs> Kirby Smart would have blown it. You know what? It's easier for Ohio State to recruit Georgia than Ohio. (laughs) That's the headline for the podcast. And Um, it's just as difficult for Kirby Smart to recruit either because he doesn't get players from either state, neither Ohio nor his home state of Georgia. Continue. And, like, at the end of every recruiting class, there's always a few that pop up from Ohio that get the I think that, like, the last few scholarships, kind of the way that Thayer Munford was, not that they wouldn't have taken them months before, but I think they do reserve it. So you have a good group of elite-level talent who – Are Ohio State kids, regardless of where they live, no matter what, plus the fact that they might reach on two or three this year, even more. And I think in a a situation where Ohio State's recruiting successfully, uh, this successfully nationally, I think 10 is about as probably as high as you could go before it becomes off. I think 10 is your ratio. I think 10 is hovering above 35%. And I think at this point, as long as kids from all over the country are going to be committing and signing with Ohio State, I don't think you want to go higher than 35%. I think it's possible the inverse of your argument is too Ohio. In this climate, I think there's such thing as too much Ohio. Here's the
2: thing, though. The thing that you have to take into consideration is in every recruiting class, 22, 23, 24, 25, however many kids it is, not all of them are going to play. Not all of them are going to stay if you got 25 five-stars from all over the country, some of them are going to end up transferring. So to some degree, the idea of, oh my God, we can't take a three-star from Ohio because we've got to take a five-star from Georgia. It's like, well, somewhere in that mix, you're just deciding between kids who are never going to play. So don't like sell me an argument (coughs) of, Sorry, we've got to take twenty out of state five stars in this class because if you take twenty out of state five
1: stars, eight of them are never going to play. But I think there is something to be said about the quality of player on your bench is still you still want I, I don't know. still good depth. Even if they're not going to play, it's better to have better players who aren't playing than bad players who aren't playing. Not that the Ohio kids are bad, uh, but and you know. I know that this is part of I don't know I agree with that. It has to be a percentage, and this was our, we've had an entire podcast about yeah. that, but. I do. I, I see what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. I don't want a five star from Georgia who's never going to start
2: and is being told to run down on kickoffs as a junior and who's like, this is crap. I didn't come here to run down on kickoffs my third year. Like, I'm not running that hard. Now, I'm not, right? Like, yeah, I think saying. that's a real thing. I think there is a place for a, my finger quotes are working here. Worse player who's a three-star kid from Ohio who really wants to start. He wants to start just as much as a five-star kid from Georgia. But if he doesn't start and you tell him to run down and cover a kick, I think it's possible he will be better at running down and covering a kick than a five-star out-of-state kid who came here because
1: he thought it was going to be a first-round NFL pick and it didn't work out. That's I, all I'm saying. But I don't think that that's real life. You don't think they think that way? I don't think they think that way at all. I think it's best player in every single spot regardless – of where they're from. And I know that Ohio is a thought process in Urban Meyer's mind. He said it as much. I don't think that they would ever turn away a five-star kid. And I said this the last time we talked about it. I don't think they would ever turn away a five-star kid from Georgia in favor of a three-star kid from Ohio for that, with that specifically in mind. It might work out better if your three-star kid from Ohio is on the roster later and they become a, a huge Part of your team, the heartbeat of your team, you know. But I don't think they recruit that way. I think it's best, best, best across the board, every position that we can get.
0: I agree with that because they don't always get. Because you can play that game, you're not always going to get the best, and then you're left with three spots at the end that you fill with that Ohio kid. I don't so think anybody not, in the right mind wants to assemble
1: over. a football team without taking the best player right. they can possibly get right. at that position. Because then, if the five-star kid in front of them doesn't work, then that four-star kid from Georgia might be the star. You know, you don't know which ones are going to pan out, which ones aren't. So you just get the best ones across the board everywhere and let them figure it out for themselves on the field. But as we've said, and I think I'm right on this.
2: Let me think about the numbers. Is it the right? Yeah. The highest recruited linebacker, they were, let's tell the tale of, and this is a little bit disingenuous by me because it's sort of a rare thing. Here's the tale of two linebackers in Ohio State's 2013 recruiting class. One was a five-star kid, wanted by everybody, had the highest spark score in the country, was probably the best athlete at linebacker in America from Texas. And he came to Ohio state. The other kid is a three-star kid from down the street who played high school quarterback and had to earn an offer at camp late as the position coach begged to offer him. First kid never played a down at Ohio state, Mike Mitchell. The second kid was one of the most important players in a national championship team and was a first round draft pick, Darren Lee. Now again, I can cherry pick that. But I'm not gonna pretend like that doesn't happen. And I'm not gonna pretend that, that should not in my that should in my mind, in my mind, that should be in their mind at least a little bit, because sometimes that happens. And I think and it as, is talked about if you don't have room for Darren Lee, and again, these are we're repeating Urban Meyer's words. If you don't have room for Darren Lee, and you don't have room for Tybus Powell, and you don't have room for the three-star late blooming kid in Ohio who his whole life wanted to be a Buckeye. I think it's not just sort of against the mission
1: of your program to ignore those kids. I think in the end, it's not as good for the team. I think they do have that in mind. And I think you see it late in the process when they add people and they add needs. Um, But again, I mean, we've had this discussion before.
0: Well, they're not – they're also, like, they're not saying, like, oh, we got to add – like, they're not adding in their mind, at least. They're not adding three stars. They're adding kids who they know have four, possibly even five-star level talent who aren't evaluated the same way as kids from Florida because of the things that Erwin Meyer says about and, like, like, all we see, it's Ohio a good kids are having spring ball. Like, Darren Lee, in their eyes, was not a three-star. He was on 247 Sports on Paper, but he, clearly he wasn't. I don't think they offer anybody a scholarship that they don't think is good. Like,
1: as good as – I think that they know who they love in classes, and they, but I don't think that they think, well, this kid's a high. I don't know if they look at um, Marcus Williamson any different than Okuda once they get here. And of course, there's transcendent, transcendent talents, but Amir Wright from Cincinnati is a four-star kid, and Marcus Williamson's a four-star kid, and Okuda's a five-star kid, and they're all freshmen now. And I think at the time, as they're filling up their classes, though. They are taking the best possible player available, and back to this year's class to refocus the conversation, they're getting Ohio kids who are rated as high as those other kids, and they're getting both in one, and I think that that kind of takes care of the problem in itself. But I think no matter what you do or how far down the list you go, there's always going to be somebody in Ohio that gets left off, even if it's for other Ohio kids.
0: Yeah. Is there... Unless we want to keep talking about the 2018 class. Is there... (laughs) No, let's keep talking about the thing I make us talk about all the time. But, like, I just want to
1: make a point. There was a thread (laughs) about me... There was a thread about me on one of the recruiting message boards saying that, like, I have a shtick for saying that Ohio State should be taking Ohio kids over top-rated out-of-state kids. And if you've listened to anything that we've ever talked about or read anything that I've ever written, you would know that that's not right. If anybody has the shtick, and my air quotes are working, it's Doug. It's me. Why don't we have a Doug LaMaurice
0: thread on that board? Is it? Because we talk about this sometimes. The misconception that because you asked the question, you must think the thing you're asking.
1: And it's like, the headline of the story that they posted on that thread, not to go too off topic, was Urban Meyer (laughs) quote. It was a quote from the coach. That's not my opinion. The head coach said it. I asked the question. He could have told me... It's not my job to tell you what my opinion is. It's to form ideas and thoughts and wonder what if, then ask the person who actually makes the decisions to respond to those things. And he responded the way that he felt, and that is the story. That is a fact. It is not a notion. It is not a shtick. It's not an opinion. It is a exact quote from the head coach of the program that you root for every day. If anybody has a shtick, it's Doug. Get him. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> but listen, that's the thing. There's a
2: misconception in sports writing that people think, Every every time you ask a question, that's what you think. That's not what questions are for. It's not about what we think. We're trying to get what they think, and we're trying to think of the most interesting ways and the most th- interesting things to ask about to help the fans be informed by the people in charge, by the coaches and players. So who, I mean, this happens all the time, like in the NBA playoffs and stuff, you know, like when even when there was a... I mean, the one that springs to mind is like the uh, the Greg Doyle LeBron James thing from like many years ago yeah. now, where I think he asked LeBron James about shrinking in the fourth quarter or something. I think, right?
0: Yes, something yeah, that's like what it that. was. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> Excuse me. It provoked an interesting question. Like people got it provoked an interesting answer, and sometimes it's not even the word; it's the way the person responds to the question. If you can, if you can instigate a person's emotions. And cause them to give a truthful answer about what they really feel. Even if that answer comes out in anger or if it comes out in frustration or despair or whatever. They're, they're millionaires. They're all good. They're, everybody's good. Like We're here for you. So don't assume we think what we ask. That's not why we ask it. We ask it because it's important and it's interesting. And if you can make someone a little uncomfortable with your question or put them on the spot a little bit. With your question, that's how you get a good answer. So, by the way, if you agree, but back to me, (laughs) back to me, the guy in the orange shirt. On a podcast, I'm wearing an orange shirt right now. People are confused. Uh, Listen, if if you disagree with the idea that Ohio State should give some extra idea to recruiting Ohio kids, if you think they should cover up the state the hometown and the home state when they're recruiting kids and not care where they're from and that a kid from anywhere else is exactly the same in every way as a kid from ohio and should be considered that way your head coach disagrees with you
1: that was buckeye talk don't no, just no, i want to take this out. <laughs> i want to no, i'm just kidding is it like unprofessional to sign up for a website that you're not a member of and then post as yourself and like get in fights not get into fights, but like oh, if, there's an entire, fight. if there's it's an entire thread about you and you're not on the board, defend yourself or say anything. And maybe, I mean, I just let it go because I have no recourse. It's a place I used to work. No, your recourse is to go on a podcast and talk about it. Chase Banks? No. <laughs> uh,
2: hat, hat, lids. Oh. <laughs> New low interest rates. <laughs> what is the deal with Ari Wasserman? <laughs> Listen, no, that's, this, is, this is the deal because we criticize people all the time. We criticize coaches, we criticize 18-year-old kids. So if people want to criticize us, go (sighs) to the territory.
1: It's fine. Yeah, Yeah, suck it up. But, you know, I think that that we describe what we do very well, and I think that a lot of people, like Doug, just in summation, we are opinionated. We have opinions. We share those opinions in a podcast, but those opinions are then morphed into questions so that the person who actually is impacting the team that you root for, because my opinion doesn't make Ohio State win or lose any games – the person who answered the question does, and that's... We can have theories, but our theories are meaningless when you ask the theory, and then you get the response. Present the theory want. to the po- We yeah. present the theory. Or you could have had that sentence with, our theories are meaningless, period. <laughs> I think that a good podcast name would have been present the theory.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but what were we talking about?
2: I can't remember. So, oh, I wanted
0: to ask you, like, the real the top guys in, in Ohio for 2018 and maybe I'm asking specifically about Jackson Carmen here like the realistic chance that a program has of coming in and taking one of these guys away from Ohio State is what I don't know like is Clemson going to take Jackson Carmen I don't
1: think that there's a lot of you know when you say cuz I don't want to like just be like everybody in Ohio is going to Ohio you know what I mean Well, that's, like, that's why, why I said yeah. that's why I said I don't
0: know because it's just like you can't fathom it happening until it happens. It's just part of the question that Doug asked originally, like how could Ohio State possibly end up with not enough Ohio guys? Is the piece of oh that's that was a good road to go a down major program coming in and actually beating out Ohio State for an in-state prospect. Ohio State once on the table in this class that
1: used to happen six years ago. It doesn't happen anymore. So I think that it's possible. I will believe it when I see it. Yeah. So that is certainly one of the ways, but I think to answer Doug's question is how would that possibly happen? I think that the Ohio players are good enough this year and deep enough in terms of numbers where it's almost impossible for it not to. Because even if two highly rated Ohio kids didn't go to Ohio State and went somewhere else, which would be literally twice as much as all of the kids combined in the previous four years, yeah. it still leaves eight more. You know, So I, I think that, I don't like to use the word impossible, but I think that that theory or that uh, that scenario might be as close to impossible as possible. As close to impossible as possible. All right. So let's let's move on
2: then off the Ohio topic and just get down to the raw numbers of comparing 2017 to 2018. Again, we I mean, as we got to close to signing day for 2017, what what, I mean, what was the phraseology that you used, Aria? We were calling it Ohio State's best class ever. Right. Yes. Ohio State's best class ever. Blah, best blah, blah, class blah, in history or best ever? Yeah. I can't so, remember. is it really possible that the 2018 class could, in the end, be better than the best class ever? Now, to, and to, we'll reset 2017, which was number two in the country, only behind Alabama,
1: but the highest like star rating that yeah, Ohio State had ever had. This is very convoluted and very so, yeah. crazy, and we've written a lot about it. And I you want to unvolude it. Um, <laughs> Ohio State. We called it Ohio State's best recruiting class ever because it was the highest average player ranking when you take the average rating of every player and average them together in the history of modern-day recruiting, not just Ohio State. So obviously there's a difference between best recruiting class ever going in and best recruiting class ever going out. Going in, that was the most highly rated class
0: ever. Bill, hit them with the numbers. So the individual player rating... For 2017, which is compiled by 247 Sports, which is the site we're always using when we give you rankings, the indi- individual player rating for 2017 was 94.47. So, like, on average, that's, like, a pretty high-level four-star prospect would have a rating of 94.47. That was the highest in the country, higher than Alabama's. The reason Alabama was ranked ahead of Ohio State as a class because Alabama signed 29 players and because scholarship limits be damned.
1: There is like a 24-7 formula that is like based on an algorithm. This is how they get this number. And that algorithm looks like something that um, Matt Damon would discover on a chalkboard in the hallway at MIT. (laughs) So I didn't even try to begin to explain that. But I wrote a very, I thought, detailed story as best as I could um, to my ability last year of how is it that Alabama is ranked higher than Ohio State in the short Answer is just they had more players, but the quality of player is what we were looking for, and Ohio State had the best individual quality of player rating in the history of modern day recruiting. It was ninety four point four seven. And how many players? While that you have that page up, I don't know if you can go back. How many players in last year's class rated as top ten players nationally? Top ten at their position. Top ten overall. Just one. So just remember that as we get into who well, they I'm were sorry, headed.
0: two Chase Young. And uh, Jeffrey Okuda were top ten national prospects.
1: Two in last year's class, and two. And this is top heavy because obviously the ratings of these guys, like I think Okuda had like a 99 rating last year, which is all explained in the story, and the average was 94, so you understand that the average is top heavy if you have a lot of really, really good elite top ten players. When we get to the point where we discuss the 2018 class and whether it can be better, there are, like, a handful of guys who rank in the top 10 that could potentially be Buckeyes, and that's why you're seeing this pace. But, okay, go to what you were going to say next.
0: Okay, so this the comparison I was making is that last year's individual player rating was 94.47, the 21-man class. This year already, the average with 10 guys in the class is 96.34, and when you're talking about a number like this, a difference of two points is Massive. gigantic.
1: And... Do we want to go right into the targets now? Because if it's already a gigantic gap in terms of pace from last year's class, it becomes really eye-opening when you see who's still out there. Like Jackson Carmen. Let's let's do this.
2: For the people who uh, don't have a chart pulled up next to them as they're driving, let's run down the 10 guys in the class, name them, and where they rank nationally right now. Because I do know, aren't they 10 for 10 and the top 300 guys and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so Bill, that, has, Bill
1: has that one. Let's give I that know.
2: overall perspective with who's in, and then we can talk about who the targets are and where they rank and how,
0: Okay. depending who they get, what their final overall class rating could be. Okay, here are the 10 players in Ohio State's 2018 recruiting class. Taryn Vincent, defensive tackle uh, from IMG in Florida, is the number nine player in the country. Emery Jones, five-star quarterback from Georgia, is the number 24 player in the country, so Vincent and Jones are the two five-stars. Jaden Woodbay is a four-star safety from California, who is the number 29 player in the country. Jalen Gill, four-star running back from Westerville South, number 34 player in the country. Brenton Cox, defensive end from Georgia, is number 44 player in the country. So that's one, two, three, four, five players in the top 50. Max Ray, uh, offensive tackle from Tennessee, is the number 60 player in the country. Brian Sneed, running back from Florida, is the number 80 player in the country. Josh Proctor, safety from Oklahoma, is the number 86 player in the country. So that is 8 of the 10 in the class in the top 100. Dallas Gantt, who we talked about a lot, outside linebacker from Toledo, number 126 in the country. And Seven Banks, a four-star corner from Florida, is number 256. And the reason he's that low is because he was injured and didn't play last year, right? I, I, that was the, the next point I was going to make was that these numbers are
1: also in flux. So when you say... Ohio State's two 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 five five-stars that they have uh, committed right now are Vincent and Emory, Emory Jones. Jones. It's possible that Jaden Woodbay and Jalen Gill will be five-stars at this point.
0: Jalen Gill has been a five-star recruiter. So has
1: Jaden Woodbay, right. and I think that some of the recruiting sites individually rate these guys as five-stars. What the composite ranking is, just in case you don't know, is a average of all the major recruiting services to try to put them together so that there's an average rating based on all of them to take into account that people obviously analyze these guys a lot differently. But, and the thing you also have to understand is being a top 100 player in high school football in the country is insane. Mm -hmm. And like when you start saying he's the number 86 player overall, it could sound not good. There are like 70 players on one team. I mean, if you think about how many players play high school football in this country and to be the number 86 player, which is like, one of the bottom guys in this class, it's crazy. I mean, it's there's, crazy. there's 65 power schools, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So, like, if you just divvied up recruits among the major college football teams from the major conferences plus Notre Dame, you know, it's like you'd go one to 65 and say, okay, everybody, you get one. All right, now when you get, so Ohio State has five. In there, and that means that a lot of people are going to have zero, zero
0: of the top. Well, the well, has nine. Has, oh, but wait, is this top 65 or top 165? You said, top 65. Top 65, yeah, okay. I mean, so it's, I mean, it is. That's a good point,
2: Ari. Six. Like, every now and then you can get so nuts, it's like, whoa, oh, man, he's not a top eight player. I mean, Dallas can
0: 126. Like,
2: 126? <laughs> if, if, Two-thirds of the school in the Big Ten, if the number 126-rated player in the country committed to
1: their school, by they far would have best, a parade. Best, by far the best player in their class. And we did a lot of rankings and every or a lot of breakdowns. And last year with the 2017 class, we did a lot of stuff of like the worst commit in Ohio State's class would be like number one in all but one other Big Ten team's class. And he's like the 24th best player in Ohio State's class. Like the talent gap there is just absurdly insane and we haven't even gotten to the point where we're talking about the 18 targets yet wait wait till i tell you who's still on the board for them okay i don't know if we've gotten to that point yet let's do uh, it we let's do, do the 18
2: targets and then we'll double back and we'll try to put ohio state into even more context with michigan and penn state and other teams in the big 10 uh we can maybe do a little quick comparison to alabama and as we're talking about if the 18 class is even going to be better than 17 where they'll rank nationally and then we'll get to wedding dancing but let's do targets
1: Okay, top overall target on Ohio State's board, um, and this is just based on the rankings, not Ohio State's power rankings of where they have them on their board, which you not, can also find at cleveland.com. Not Mark Pantone's secret recruiting board that he would, he not, would not show not let you. me. He would not show me, but um, these are just based on the rankings uh, on 24-7's composite. Micah Parsons, five-star defensive end who was formerly committed to Penn State, took an Ohio State visit, decommitted after, now is – Strongly considering and potentially might become an Ohio State player as a five-star defensive end, number one defensive end in the country, number three nationally overall. Patrick Sertain Jr., five-star cornerback from American Heritage where Torrence Gibson went to high school. And I just, it's not a podcast unless you say Torrence Gibson. Number four national player overall. Zamir White is a five-star running back um, who actually didn't include Ohio State on his list, but there are some rumblings that... They're getting back into it because he, he was posted on Twitter a picture. Wearing
0: a Ohio State hat. Yeah.
1: Posted a picture on Twitter wearing an Ohio State hat. Uh, number five overall in the country. So that's three of the top five overall players in the country still on Ohio State's board. Uh, next, Jackson Carmen, number one offensive tackle, number eight overall in the country. So, in a crazy world where Ohio State gets three out of the four. That means it's possible that Ohio State could finish this year's class and that is the current ranking stand with four of the top ten players in the country in one class. Which, at that point, you're getting into a whole other – I mean, if I write – if that happens and I write best recruiting class ever and they beat that next year, then I don't, I don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs> That's just insane. Um, Urban, and- do you feel like you're taking too many top ten kids – I mean, you have eight of the top ten. At some point, do you
2: want some kids in the teens?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of teens, uh, Anthony Cook, five-star cornerback from Houston Lamar, number 11 mm. on Ohio State's board. Um, <laughs> five-star, four-star linebacker, Tarada, Taraja Mitchell. I don't know if – Tarada, Taraja. Taraja, yeah. Uh, outside linebacker from Virginia Beach where I want to go one day uh, number 37 overall if you live in a vacation destination and you're interested in attending Ohio State and you're a football recruit please let Ari know like to visit you. <laughs> I've never been to Virginia Beach sounds fun I like funnel cake <laughs> um, Cameron Babb four star receiver from St. Louis number 41 overall Jeremy Ruckert, that tight end we talked about who's from New York but probably New Jersey number 59 overall and I'm skipping over Ohio State commits right now to get to 59, just to keep it in perspective. Tyreek Smith, four-star defensive end from Cleveland, heights, number 148 overall. And now you're starting to get into like some of their top choices, and then there's some other guys down here um, that have Ohio State listed who are top 40 players, but I just don't know how interested they are in Ohio State. It says warm on their six or seven other top 50 players who are still have Ohio State offers, and are considered warm interest in Ohio State. So we're getting to a point now where there's too many recruits to even keep track, and they're all in the top 50. Can I ask
2: a question? So we know that the 2014 National Championship um, played a role in, as we tried to identify last year, why the 2017 class was so good. That National Championship came as the 2017 recruits were really starting to think about their recruiting, and we're starting to... get heavily recruited. We think that certainly played a role in that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and certainly so. Okay, I, it played a role for these guys, but now these guys were, you know, the 18 kids were one another year younger from 14. I mean, whatever. They're in ninth grade when it happened. Why is everybody, like, beating down the door of the team that didn't win the Big Ten and got smoked in the playoff last year? Like, it, Ohio State is not was not close to the best team in the country last year. I mean, they made the playoff, but we saw how far away they were, right? What's up? What is this? What is this?
0: NFL. NFL and Urban Meyer. They're going to have 30 draft picks in three years, which I think supersedes winning national titles. I think a kid would take the NFL draft into higher regard, I agree with Bill, than winning national
1: titles. Okay. The number one okay. goal, Go ahead, the number one goal of every high school football player on these lists is, is to get a degree. Get a degree. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Is to get a degree in getting paid. Um, and Ohio State offers that um, at the highest level. Um, and the only team that comp- and even Alabama's not turning it out as much right now. And Alabama's the only one that's comparable. And Alabama's the only team that's better in the rankings. So. I think there's such things trend being hot. I think Ohio State has when the, the NFL facilities. The
0: cyclical, too. Like, Florida State put 29 in in three years, too, and when they were doing that, and that was just two years ago. I mean, they were recruiting in a similar fashion.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I don't know if it would be possible to. If they set the bar at this, this can't be the bar. There's something special happening right now. Yeah. You can't just be like, well, unless we have seven top ten players in this class, then it's a failure. Like, Ohio State could potentially have the seventh best class in 2019, and that, like, would seem awful. Yeah. You know, it's just all relative, and it's like you said, it it goes in waves. Right now, Ohio State's just a hot school. I want you to ask, that's your
2: next question for Urban Meyer, to appease everyone. (laughs) Urban, is it fair to say that something special is happening right now? (laughs) And then the lead quote in your story can be, Yes, comma, something special is happening right now. Follow-up. Do you Myers think that said, you're
1: ignoring Ohio too much?
2: Follow-up. I'd like to tell Doug to just cram it.
1: But um, basically, the main premise of the idea here is that something special is happening. And I don't think that there's any other way to describe it. And we I think we'd all universally agree that maybe we are the unbiased coverage team that people think are negative sometimes. And like even to to and on Tuesday when I was in Toledo, like there's sometimes there's just no other way to write things other than Ohio State's doing things better than everybody else. And at this point, you can find things to criticize all the time with Ohio State. You can criticize anything, but right now you can't really criticize Ohio State's recruiting. I mean, they're doing everything right.
2: That's, let's do a little context with Michigan and Penn State because I wrote a thing <clears throat> a couple months ago. I think it might have been after the – Michael Parsons commitment, or they got that, Penn State got that of the running back, and it was sort of like, hey, like, hey, Ohio State, Penn State is like coming for you a little bit, that they beat you on the field last year, they won the Big Ten championship, and now you were really, I thought, seeing, I mean, everybody thought, you were seeing another level from James Franklin and Penn State's recruiting. Now, all of a sudden, Michael Parsons decommitted, and maybe it's not quite what it was, but how do, and we know, obviously, that, that Jim Harbaugh is doing a better job than Michigan did previously, how did those two
0: schools compare in 2018 to Ohio State so far? Um, from an individual player rating, it's not close. Ohio State's is 96. The next closest is Penn State at 91. Um, and as mentioned before, where that gap is getting really anything more than one point, you're talking about a sizable gap. Um, so Ohio State is still head, head and shoulders by the Big Ten right now, like even – Maybe even more so than it was last year. Penn State's number two in the Big Ten and is the only other program with five stars committed. They have two five stars, one of which is a dual-threat quarterback from Georgia, just like Ohio State has. Who's rated higher than Emory Jones. Who's rated higher than Emory Jones. They have a five-star quarterback and a five-star running back committed. Um, And then no one else in the Big Ten has five stars. Michigan right now is sixth in the Big Ten with four five-star prospects and three three three-star prospects. Michigan State is ninth. Um, Nebraska is third, Northwestern is fourth, Minnesota is fifth. Not all change, obviously, but for the time being, Ohio State is ahead and recruiting at a better pace than everyone in the Big Ten, really, other than Penn State. And so, who's the highest rated player in Penn State's class individually? The highest rated player in Penn State's class individually is five star quarterback Justin Fields, who is the number 20 overall player Which in the country. is really good.
1: Mm-hmm. What Penn State's doing is. And they have The normal of standard of like what you would want, and Parsons yeah. is still on their board just because yeah. he's not committed. So I think Penn State. We go back and look this up, and maybe I'll write something this week about it. But that probably is the best non-Ohio State recruiting class the Big Ten's assembled so far in the last five years, probably. So what you're we, well, anything
0: is, that has multiple five stars on it, yeah, you know,
1: What be. you're saying is what just to put it in the context, Ohio State's recruiting class is head and, head and shoulders above, better than what Penn State is doing right now, and what Penn State is doing would be the only other thing that could be even remotely comparable to anything Ohio State's done over the course of the past five years in the rankings.
0: And the only team nationally that's better than Ohio State right now from a ranking standpoint is Miami, and it's because Miami has 17 players committed and Ohio State has 10. Ohio State's individual player ranking is four points higher than Miami's. How many players does Penn State have committed? Penn State has 13 committed. Penn State's number three in the country. So two, two teams in the Big Ten East, number two and number three. And how many does Michigan have committed? Let me look back. Like Mich- why is Michigan sixth in the Big Ten right now? Michigan only has uh, eight players committed. Wanna yeah. hear something crazy? Alabama is forty eighth. What's up, Nick? Three players committed. Guess he's given up. Yeah. You got that like uh, big. He's making contract. eleven million dollars a year. He doesn't need recruits anymore.
2: He's Phoning it in. He should play. Put that in the podcast headline. Buckeyes get Dallas camp. Nick Saban phoning it in. Um, all right. Are we
1: going to get to the wedding stuff? <laughs> We're going so to so excited. The wedding stuff. So Zach Meisel, We can talk about his life. He's not. Can here. Talk about his life. Zach Meisel. the guy that you cheat on us of a podcast with, yeah. was you go do a podcast with him once a week, and I feel so left out. He is. Uh,
2: Getting married on Saturday. Former Ohio State writer, now Indians writer for Cleveland.com.
1: And, uh, um, so, I heard through the grapevine. Am I allowed to tell people how I heard this? Mm-hmm. Brian Windhorst, um, the NBA ESPN expert who used to cover the Cavs for the plane dealer, told me, and Brian listens to this podcast. you want to say hi? What's up, Wendy? That Doug is a phenomenal dancer. (laughs) That's a a strong word. I'm not going to disagree with it, but it's a strong word. So I guess him and Doug and Windhorst were at a wedding together and Windhorst witnessed Doug tearing it up on the dance floor from afar and he said phenomenal. And I said, you mean like just kind of cool and doesn't care and is having a good time? And like he made it seem like you are a phenomenal dancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm going to a wedding now. And This has been it's been more than a year since I've heard this. It's maybe even been yeah, two years. No,
0: yeah. two, and two now,
1: years. for the first time ever, I'm going to be at a wedding that Doug is at and I'm gonna to get to witness it. What do we expect, Doug? Well, it's just now listen, for a middle-aged white guy, I have good rhythm. I mean,
2: I'm <laughs> not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that. That's just that's just hot fire right there. I'm speaking the truth. So, you know, I mean like I have you know, I just have like a I can like sort of slide my feet, and um, you know, I have some things that I do. Like I don't have, I don't, I don't break dance. I don't pop and lock. I don't like do fancy things. But I just have a general uh, vibe about me that is uh, pleasant to observe, and uh, and uh, I don't care what people think when I dance. So, um, but now there's pressure. Phenomenal just- is a is is a very strong word. I enjoy it greatly. I greatly enjoy dancing. At things like this, so I very much am looking forward to it. Um, but also, let's let's be fair. It's not about me. It's not my day. I mean, I, I mean, am
1: Zach. I love you, bud. <laughs> I am probably as intrigued to see Doug dance yeah. as your first dance. Zach's gonna <laughs> un- un- uninvite me. Yeah, <laughs> but now there's happen. pressure,
2: so I want to know if yeah. can Perform under pants. no, it's it's worried. It's it's just gonna be. But now because like like I'm now curious, like what kind of dancer you are. Like, do you... Are you... I'm not,
1: like, a crazy dancer. I do you, don't like, know. you, like, hold
2: if, a drink and kind of move it and would talk be uh, and, it, like, do silly it, stuff? The last
1: wedding I went to, I did not dance at all. Mm. And that wasn't voluntary. I don't care if I suck at dancing. I just, like, was conversing with people and eating and drinking and having a good time. So... I'm not like, you're going to make a point to dance, because you're at a wedding, you dance. Well,
2: especially, and I'm not going to know a ton of people. Like, there's going to be some sports writers there that I know, but clearly, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know Zach's family, I don't know his wife's family, so there's going to be a lot of, so it's just like, well, okay,
0: you know, say hi to Ari, and then go hit the floor, so. (laughs) Um, Are you baffled by people, because it's a very simple thing, just like having rhythm, and you don't, like, just have a little bit of rhythm, and be able to dance, like, to the beat of the music, I am baffled by people who are physically incapable of of keeping their body moving in tune with the rhythm. It is strange because I think it's almost like, how can you not have it? Right. Like, there's almost like involuntary
2: movements of like when you hear something with the beat, you just go along with it. Right. And to be unable to do that or struggle with that is something that uh, I guess you got it or you don't, baby. You know, you've got, sure. it, I've you've got, got it, Landis. You got it. I
1: for sure got it. Oh, I saw the pictures of Bill Landis uh, from the wedding he was at. 25 to life for murdering that suit. <laughs> Nobody looks better in a suit than Bill Landis. Is it a rented suit or a suit that you no, own? No, I
0: own it. Yeah, he went to a Men's really Warehouse and spent
1: an Close. absurd amount Close of money on it. <laughs> but you could tell that he looked phenomenal. I'm going to use that word phenomenal. phenomenal. Let's
2: put it. Let's put that uh, photo in the post with the podcast.
1: So um, people can see it. Sure. Okay, Just before that, maybe we're getting. <laughs> we're at an hour and five. I don't know if we're pushing it. We're, we're almost done. Yeah. I have one more point to make about the food.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So,
1: I put my uh, RSVP for Meisel's wedding in the mail and he never got it. And he, like, sent me a text the other day and he said, do you want filet, salmon, or baked chicken? And I just want to be this. Like, yes? I don't want any of it. <laughs> Hear me out. I don't want any of that crap. But what, um, my point is, is that I went to my buddy's wedding and every wedding I've ever been invited to and been to, it's always salmon, steak, or baked chicken, right? Those are the three things. At my wedding, I'm gonna have in the back of this wedding. If if the woman I end up marrying is in love with me, she'll like understand this about me before we get married. Hopefully, but I'm thinking five buffet style trays, maybe ten, Chick fil A nuggets, bagel bites, pizza rolls, French fries, sliders, maybe from White Castle, chicken or Chipotle catered in the back of the room that you could just go and help yourself. No chicken, no filet mignon, none of that stuff that costs thousands and thousands, and I'm not underestimating how much the other stuff cost. You can get a nug tray for pretty cheap. Yeah. You, you know, put out a 500 nuggets? Tell me what the person who goes to the wedding, aside from the fact that people might think you're tacky, what would you rather eat? It's your, a fraction of a price. What would your mother rather eat?
2: <laughs>
1: Mom. <laughs> She's a liar if she said she doesn't – she wouldn't what person on planet Earth would not rather eat Chick-fil-A nuggets than have some dried-out steak that's been sitting in a vat all day waiting to be served? It's not fresh. They bring it in from somewhere to a venue, and it sits in those, like, big triangular things all day, and then they look at the name tag, and they take the plastic off
0: the top of it and put it in I front of you. I think you're discovering a morgue.
1: <laughs> but, like, seriously, like, I'm, is it really that tacky to, like – and I'm not – you know, you can pick your finger foods, but if you got 1,000 White Castle burgers, it'd be 400 bucks and you're t- and like you and you give everybody a chance to eat what they want my buddy Andrew who I was the best man in his wedding um, a few months ago had these like grilled chimp- tempura chicken fingers as like the appetizer before you go into the reception area and had like egg rolls and like stuff like that as like the appetizer I ate that stuff I didn't even eat the meal that they they probably paid 50 bucks for because when you're at a wedding, you're drinking, you're dancing, you want the finger foods, maybe pizza by the slice in the back. I know it's tacky. Maybe it's a hot take. But, Doug, what would you rather eat at a wedding? I mean, I love
2: nugs as much as the next guy. But I don't, I don't know that I, I'm i not going to turn down a
1: nice piece of steak or a nice piece of chicken at a wedding. So I'm just saying for the amount of money that it costs to provide those types of things... I think people would rather eat the other stuff, and I think it would set up a fun environment that would be more of a party, dancing atmosphere, no, open bar. I think, But you're not
2: uh, well. I mean, when you're having a party, I mean, when you're getting married, not just having a party for your friends. You know, like there's going to be. What about your aunt? I cannot believe you disagree with me. I thought you were going to be aunt? all in on this. What about your aunt? What about my aunt? What about would your smash wife?
1: Chick fil A nugget. I think all it is is I think that the wedding reception food that you have to check on the card six months before you go <clears> is a <throat> way to make. Something elegant, and it's more for dress than it is about the food. Would you agree? Uh, It's a formal dinner. It's a wedding. We have these things. We are not tacky. Here it is. But I just think for the amount of money that people spend on weddings and for the amount of money that that type of food costs, I think you could have a cool atmosphere with really good food that people want to eat for a fraction of the price. And everybody there would enjoy eating the other stuff more than the stuff that you – because let's be honest. I know that your opinion on steak is just outrageous. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between Mastro's and Longhorn's. So I don't so – I for prefer Longhorn. Any <laughs> any steak that comes out in front of him is an A+. But it's not like high-quality food. I just think it's just – it looks nice, but it doesn't taste good. I mean, it's not that great. It's usually just there to be there because that's what is customary. I'm sure people – I mean
2: people have certainly had weddings like that, and that's great. I mean it sounds it sounds really fun. I'm just telling you that when you do a wedding, you are not only doing what like 30 year old people think is cool. You, there is, I know a person that would be in the generation. back room. I know your dad's gonna be back smoking <laughs> yeah, a just, cigar and eating sliders. Yeah, I get yeah, it. yeah,
1: I'm just saying, like, really? Like, are really older generation people really that worked up about it? I mean, like, no, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, but those people, I don't care. It's my day, right? No, it's not your day. You just went... It's your bride's day. It's not (laughs) not your day. No, I'm just saying, if I married a woman and she was down, I think that that would... Honestly, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think if you have an open bar, what would you rather have? An open bar or would you rather have nice meals if you wanted to keep it reasonable? I mean, if you want to have $40,000 and do everything, then do everything. Have an ice one. I don't care. But I think people would rather attend a wedding that had the buffet-style type of food that I just described in the back with an open bar that's open longer where you can dance and mingle and do whatever it is you need to do. You had a buffet at your wedding. You just said you had – I'm so surprised that you're not more all-in on this idea than – I thought no, you but, were going to be completely on board with this. No, but we, I mean we had a buffet, but it was like we had a buffet of the food yeah, that like you check off on the thing. It was Correct. Like, but just, people have to go up and get it? Yeah. I think the, the entire portion of the check-off food is also – most of the time, to avoid people standing with plates and waiting in line. It's just a way for you to sit down and people bring it to you. If you don't avoid the waiting in line thing, like at your wedding, then who cares what people are putting on their plate? You've already taken half the step out of what I'm saying in making it, because the tackiness part, no offense to your wedding, is standing in line.
2: No, well, I Right?
1: You want to have a waiter serve you filet mignon. You don't want to take it with tongs. I just, but I think, I've I think i never had a wedding, everyone. <laughs> I think, I
2: mean, there there will be some people who are surprised to eat Chick-fil-A nugs at your wedding. That's all I'm
1: saying. There won't be 100%... Uh, I think if we're all being honest with each other, me. though, everybody, what would you rather have? I think 90% of the people who would be at a wedding that I'm involved with. I mean, I think we're, if we're all being honest, like, what would you rather eat? Just the fundamental, what would you rather have? I mean, I can eat and Chick-fil-A that, nuggets any day of the week. I don't usually get to sit
2: down. News and fight tablecloth and eat a nice steak. So I think I'd take your, the steak.
1: Your view of your love for Chick-fil-A nuggets, guess what? Everybody loves them? No, I know. Everybody loves – I, I get what you're saying. You want to have a nice yeah. – you, if you're wearing a suit, you don't want to get cane sauce on your time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I get I get the juxtaposition between those two things, but I do think that if you're being cost-effective too, I think there is something to be said about no, saving thousands and thousands reason. of dollars. That is completely And reason. really what people would – certainly. And I don't think people if if Aunt Tinty is or whatever you know her name is, is gonna be upset that you didn't have to lay mignon at your wedding, then she'll live and everybody I don't think people would I think it would be just fine. And I think people would rather eat the stuff that would be there and I think it'd be cheaper. That's just my take, and it's a hot take, and
0: I am a little bit surprised that you weren't all in. Do you <clears throat> do you envision your invitations letting people know that this is the food you're going to have beforehand? I can see why that would be a problem. Well, here's the, here's where yeah. I'm going with it. I think you could screw yourself over a little bit by having people think it's a little bit of a lower scale wedding and then nobody, lose nobody. out on some gifts. You know what I mean? I think people equate gifts with how fancy a wedding is sometimes. Mm.
1: Is that a real thing? I wouldn't have thought that. And if that's true, then – and trust me. When I get married one day, my future wife, <coughs> she's probably going to have the, the stuff that we're talking about. I'm just saying in my mind, my bar mitzvah party was lit. Three different types of pie, egg rolls, chicken fingers. <laughs> he was 13. I'm envisioning it now, yeah. I mean, yeah. it sounds lit. That's yeah. That
2: sounds lit. Um, all right, that got long again. I can't imagine people. I think people like this stuff. It. I think do they, they
1: do. It doesn't matter because we gave them what they want and They can Give shut them. it off. Here's what
0: I'll say. The only feedback we got last week was from the stuff that came after we were done talking about Ohio State. Nobody
1: cool. ever talks about the Ohio State portion. So if you're somebody who has an issue with the other extracurricular stuff, then why don't you just talk to us about what we talked about then? I think they just absorb the Ohio State, vast Ohio State knowledge and just take it in. and Just roll it around in their heads and not comment on it. People and then Ari that. drops his view on the world and people say, I got it tweet." But about I just this. think people are more genuinely passionate about food than they are football. I am. I am. <laughs> hey, we do this for a living and all three of us are, so. <laughs> <coughs> all right. That's Buckeye Talk. That's Bill Landis. That's Ari Washman.
2: I'm Doug Lamourish. You can find us on iTunes. Go find it. Type in Buckeye Talk. And the thing will pop up, and we can be part of your life, and you don't even have to do anything. <laughs> it's just on your phone. Go to Stitcher. It does the same thing. If you want to go to SoundCloud and get a little account there, SoundCloud, all one word, dot .com. Type in Buckeye Talk. You can see everything we've ever done. We're at episode, like, 78 or something. Like This is 79. This is 79. I mean, just it's unbelievable. I can't wait. We should start planning our what we're going to do to celebrate our 100th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I would think pizza rolls in the back of the room. I was thinking like a nice salmon and asparagus maybe. <laughs> Ask their listeners what they want. Um, all right. So we appreciate you guys listening. We're, we we can't help it. We go we go long. We go crazy. Um, that's what we do here. So you can read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Follow us on Twitter at Landis 25 at Doug Maurice, at Ari Wasserman. For Bill and Ari, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.